0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network Oh it's a goal you got the assist who got the assist So we are here son's Tom as he continues this Xmas festivities prior to jet setting off to Australia but I'm joined by what will be a familiar voice to hear in, in the uh, coming weeks on the podcast the Irishman Anthony otherwise known as FPL stag. A uh, pleasure to have you on the pod again, and thanks for stepping up to the plate in Tom's absence. Did you want to perhaps give a short introduction to yourself and your FPO journey up to now?
1: Hey Nick, absolutely brilliant to be on the pod again, but of course in a slightly different guise this time. Hopefully my time as caretaker will be more like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's early reign than when Ryan Giggs was in charge of United for a few games a few years ago. For those of you who don't know me, I go by FPL Stag on Twitter, where I've been active since the pre season of the 2015 2016 season. That's the Leicester season. We'll all forever remember it. But I was a serious FPLer in the years leading up to the joining Twitter, too. But I was focusing mostly on what was then my school mini league um, as opposed to overall rank. Over the last three seasons, I've been writing a weekly column called Stag's Take for Roto World's Premier League Wing. My articles they tend to focus on the biggest questions of that given game week, whatever those may be. Tend Tends to release late on a Thursday, early Friday, so they tend to be as up-to-date as possible with Champions League games, injuries, etc., etc., that maybe other articles and pods wouldn't be, and I'm also a frequent guest on this pod and many others, so great to be here.
0: Excellent. Yeah, thanks for the intro, mate. Um, yeah, we don't want a Freddie Lundberg-style of caretaker gig just, just <laughs> resulting in the dwindling returns to the podcast, do we? More like the, the early OGS, as you put it. Just to say, of course, we are Who Got The Assist? Um, you can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore at WGTA underscore Nick, Spotify, SoundCloud, whatever you like to listen to and subscribe to the pod. Tom will be returning for one more pod next week ahead of Going Away. Yeah, that
1: sounds great, Nick. It'll be good to have Tom on as a guest on his own podcast for that week. And thanks everyone else for sending in their questions, which we'll get to later on in the show. So let's get started with the Game Week reviews. Nick, do you want to do the honours and go first, considering you've done
0: slightly better than me? Have I? uh, Only (laughs) slightly, I think. Yeah, it's not been great, has it? I mean, Game Week 19 um, was a A bit rubbish for me. It's a red... Well, both game weeks are actually red arrows for me. I've I've ended up falling from grace a little bit in terms of OR, but still just about within the top 200k, it seems. But yeah, game week 19, 53 points. It wasn't brilliant. I think it's just above the average, but below the top 10k average. And Manet, captain, Ali, sort of, you know, Rashford, De Bruyne, also getting small... Small returns and Jack Grealish were brought in as well, but you know I think it's all about the players who I didn't have that really you know hurt me this particular game week because I I had Jimenez, I had Trent. They were both in my team in game week 17 and in game in game week 18 or game week 19, I I chose to bench Jimenez for some stupid reason because I brought in Grealish and and uh, Trent left my team as well, so I missed out on the 24 points. Instead, I had another Aston Villa player making up the numbers in Matt Target with a six point. I just I don't know what I was thinking at all so it was was only a small red but just like the pain of just not having those assets could have been a huge green if I I just stuck to my guns and and played those players so so that wasn't brilliant and then with 20 I, I took the minus four I brought Trent back in just thought I've just got to get this guy straight back into the team no messing about bring him back in did a minus four brought him back but 59 points wasn't was pretty pretty bad start for the game week Saturday was an absolute disaster none of my players played or they kind of turned up for one minute so you know Savardi didn't play and Suyunsu didn't play and Madison um, only turned up right at the end and you know all my clean sheets from all these cheap defenders I ended up with meant only sort of two points one pointers and, and Lundstrom didn't play either so I ended up with 10 men in total but Rashford's uh, vice captain Rashford saved me in the last minutes ridiculous it was absolutely ridiculous that last minute goal really saved my game week because it would have been a huge red if I hadn't got those those 14 points from that last minute goal uh, thanks to the free bonus as well. And and the Sunday, it, a good day. I was expecting sort of a, a Sunday bloody Sunday as well after the shambles that was Saturday. But, you know, Manet, De Bruyne and, and Trent all got me 33 points in total. But it actually meant my red arrow increased just because of the high ownership of those three players and the fact that the other day, which had been sort of like 15 points from eight or something ridiculous, was such a shambles. So yeah, that was my uh, that was my game week anyway. Do you want to do you want assess the damage of yours, then, if it's worse than mine?
1: You know what, Nick? That 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 sounds like a pretty good two game weeks to be honest, compared to what I've had to endure. So head of game week nineteen, I felt like I was stuck in a moment that I couldn't get out of, and I decided to ring in some radical changes. So I sold Trent Alexander-Arnold, score scorer of 24 points for Lucas Dean, who got a clean sheet. Um, I sold Aaron Connolly in place of Pookie, who I did captain because, you know, he was playing Aston Villa, and Aston Villa are terrible. He got one point. So that was two. And then I sold my suspended son for Deli Alley for eight. I decided, I really did not think that Liverpool would do Anything like the damage they did to Leicester, I expected maybe Liverpool would win one 0 maybe Leicester might even win. It wasn't going to be a big game, as far as I was concerned from an FPL point of view. So, in what will sound insane to many people, I actually benched Sadio Mane, who got six. I kept Christian Pulisic because I so I ended up selling t a to make up funds because I couldn't, I wouldn't sell Pulisic because I couldn't sell him before he played Southampton, and he couldn't possibly not play. Yeah didn't he came on as a sub <laughs> so that led me to a game week rank of 5.5 million with 35 points net after a four point hit on my 39 that led me to drop in rank to 1.1 million uh six green arrows in a row that kind of built my season towards something noteworthy between game week 18 and game week 13 where i peaked hilariously lowly at 516k i've been completely wiped out at that point and then came Game Week 20, which wasn't much better because I hate bus teams. I just don't like the idea of it. Last season I felt like it led me to overthink if I looked at my team at the start of the game week. And so I can just leave it. I broadly know what my transfers are going to be just because I know my team in my head and I don't need to like obsess over it. So I didn't want to set up the team beforehand. So I'd plan to just set out like a bit of forty minutes on the morning of the start of game week twenty to fix up my team. I didn't because there was a bit of a family emergency and there were sewage pipes blocked. So two and a half hours later, I found that the deadline had passed by 10 or 20 minutes and I still had Timu Fuki as my captain. (laughs) Timo Puke had a goal ruled out for offside in one of the many, many, many VAR controversies this week and he didn't shoot or pass for what actually proved to be an arch's second goal but was a OG. Mane was benched again but I had so many absences that hilariously he actually played as did Lewis Dunk who was third in my bench coming in for my second highest score of the game week. So in the end it was only KDB, Rashford, Mane and Dunk that scored anything for me and then I had no shows from Lunny, uh, Lucas Teen. Pulisic, Vardy, and Soyonsu. So 52 points, another bit of a drop to 1.25 million ish. Not
0: yeah, the sound sounds like you had a little bit of a shocker. Maybe that pundit pressure already getting to you. Let's <laughs> I mean, yeah. go on this record and and tell all our listeners about um, the, the shambles. Essentially, was the last couple of game weeks for you? Yeah, what a yeah. introduction for those who hadn't come across me before. <laughs> <laughs> no, no worries at all. Lots of people had really tough game weeks. It was quite a low-scoring one, so it was, it was a good couple of game weeks, I guess, to have bad time. Just, yeah, unfortunate with some of those players. you got a little bit of luck in the end. It seems that missing the deadline didn't matter too much in terms of your subs coming off the bench. So a little bit of a saving grace perhaps there. I guess talking about, you know, bad game weeks and just kind of shambolic season, so to speak. We're going to be talking a little bit on this pod about New Year's resolution. So it's the end of the calendar year. We're halfway through the season now. We've um, everyone played 19 or 20 games. It's also the end of the decade as well. So, you know, a little bit of a momentous occasion for all of us. So we're going to just have a little bit of a discussion in terms of what we think the future holds for FPL, um, what our plans are in terms of how we can improve our game, what our New Year's resolutions are, so to speak, when it comes to FPL and I. Teams. So, Anthony, do, do you want to perhaps start us off here? So, I think the
1: story so far of this season, whether we want to really delve into it or not, is VAR. And I don't want to get into the intricacies of the rule or anything because all they are is enforcing the rule book and that's what it is. However, what I have come to notice that it does disproportionately affect forwards that come from smaller teams in the league. So, this week alone, goals from Puki, Muset, and Nato were all ruled out. Now, I'm not saying that there's some sort of massive tinfoil had a conspiracy going on. What I think is that this comes down to how their teams play, that they tend, in these cases, they were playing on the counter. When you're in a small team, you tend to be on the counter more because you tend to have less possession. And so what ends up happening is that they end up falling foul of the whole VAO thing a little bit more. So is it worth considering when we're punting on forwards in smaller teams especially, should we look at those which try to hog possession? So maybe Neil Mopé is a good example of a cheap differential forward who comes from a team, Brighton, that do try to hold their possession a lot more. Whereas maybe Team Upuki, Norwich would like to, they don't actually tend to hold possession as much. Maybe Sheffield United would be another good example of that too. So I am starting to wonder about it. And even this week, there were good examples of that. You had Everton, 58% possession against Newcastle. Calvert-Lewin, 12 points. Watford, even with 10 men, had 48% possession. But they didn't really play that game in a counter-attacking style in the Match of the Day highlights, which I was watching. And Deeney got 12. And Southampton, 59% possession. Ings got nine points. So I'm just wondering, is there something to be said for that?
0: Yeah, perhaps it would be interesting to, to go back and look at that Leicester title winning season and, and see how many of those Jamie Vardy uh, counter attacking goals would have actually ended up being a, a toenail offside or an armpit offside. That's an interesting theory. So, that's perhaps something that you're, you're thinking about in terms of your own FPL game, who who you're going to be owning in terms of the strikers, perhaps the moves you're going to be making in the short term. Maybe, maybe Pookie out now, perhaps? Yeah, I think the
1: the rage alone and two free transfers in my pocket means that Mr. Pukki and probably Pulisic is, you know, totally disconnected from this fire debate, but they'll probably both be the ones who will be gotten rid of. And maybe Mope will be someone I'd be considering.
0: That's, that's interesting that you mentioned rage, actually, because that was one of the things that I was looking at in terms of New Year's resolutions. And I think it's, it's important sometimes that I, I go online, there seems to be a lot of anger on the internet, a lot of raging about certain players. And... And I think sometimes it is important to as a, perhaps a resolution try and try and take emotions out of the game and try and think of it as sort of a pure mathematical sense or pure algorithmic sense and not a, a personal, personal impact that these players have. Often people feel like they've been affronted by players, essentially, when they blank and they do rage transfers, they get them out straight away. And I think it is quite important sometimes that, especially when you've got this sort of fixture congestion, we're all kind of in, engrossed in the game and obsessed and we're all making these really really sort of quick fire decisions quite often it's sometimes just to take a little bit of a breather perhaps you know really weigh up those decisions when you're, you're planning to make a decision sometimes I've, I've been guilty of this as well which is why I've listed as perhaps a new year's resolution myself Is just sometimes just take a second breather just take a moment and just say is this transfer really worth that decision or is it something that perhaps you can sleep on give it another night perhaps do some additional research because I think the more research you do, the better, you know, so looking at the underlying stats, perhaps, you know, trying to watch the highlights again and before just kind of going, right, he's out, he's gone, he's got two points, I'm, I'm done with him, this player got 13, and I'm bringing him in straight away. Sometimes I think it is a good idea just to just take that little break and just really sort of, you know, affirm those decisions before making them.
1: Yeah, and maybe leading off that just a little bit as well is one thing that I think I could definitely be accused of this season with Liverpool, last season with Man City, even the season before that, I think, with was, it New- it was City again, and even the season before that with Conte's Chelsea. Something that I continue to do is not trust the best team in the league enough. Like, we should all be tripled up on Liverpool at this point. I think that's, you know, even after this World Club Cup for a few weeks. It just seems that the best way to have been was to have just had Triple Liverpool absorb Triple Liverpool for that one week where they were all away and continue with them. Selling Trent and Arnold because they were playing Leicester proved to be a completely disastrous decision on my part. And even if they had conceded a goal, he might still have had three assists he had, the goal he had. Like there's just so much more to that player's game. Sadio Mane may not have had huge returns in the last few weeks, right? He did this week, but not in the Leicester game, even though they scored four goals. You might as well just trust him, keep him there as a keeper. You're just going to get the points and maybe Mo Salah, who's coming into form is kind of falling into that bracket too it just seems that trust the best team in the league and keep trusting them even when one of their players has a quiet week because of circumstance or because of just coincidence that Sadio Mane didn't happen to score hugely against Leicester for example just trust and I think that's something I need to take on board a bit more
0: yeah, I guess that sort of link links in. I guess with the question we got from Fancy Football Four Four Two at FPL Four Four Two, and he said, "If if you could give one piece of FPL advice, looking forward to the end of the season, what would it be?" And it sounds like perhaps that would be your advice, just to to trust in your players, trust in Liverpool in particular, because they are they're absolutely smashing it. And I guess that kind of links in. To what I was going to talk about as well, which was um, sort of sticking to your principles. So I think when it when it comes to FPL, we we see a lot of different strategies of work for different managers: aggressive, or you know, playing it safe and and trusting in a few assets works for others. And you know, one of my principles was sort of to to trust in those premium defenders, specifically Trent Alexander-Arnold and. You know, I sold him, so I just um, broke my own individual principles there, just because essentially there was a blank game week and what I considered a tough fixture run um, with Leicester up next. I thought, right, I see, I can get rid of him, and uh, I was caught on that sort of Son Heung-min wave, and then obviously Son got suspended and sent off, and it just it blew up in my face, and it blew up in a few other uh, managers' faces as well as I've seen online. So I think, you know, at the end of the day, this this it turned out to be a major mistake. I've been talking about Trent, I've been hyping him up all season, I've, I've called him all sorts of things on. Because like a season keeper and must own and stuff like that, you know. words I sh- perhaps shouldn't be using, but you know, I've used them to describe a player, and and then I sold him, and and he absolutely punished me with like just twenty four point return. I just deserved it completely. But you know, whilst that score was a bit of an anomaly, and I don't think we're going to see it from him again. To be honest, we, we just it, it was inevitable though in terms of what he offers. He's got a triple threat of points potential. We can get them from clean sheets. They've a four in a row now. He can get them from assists. He's Second, for chances created across all players in the game. Only KDB is doing more. And he can get them from attacking for it as well. He's got, even got a couple of goals to his name. And he's, you know, statting uh, pretty well on in terms of shots for, for defenders. He's, I think he's the most um, shots for all defenders right now. So he is the man. And obviously he is expensive, but he's not really that expensive. He's statting pretty well. And, he, you know, he's over 100 points now at 7.4 million. So, you know, he's, he's really delivering in terms of what he can offer. And I, I think he does... Look like, you know, a key part of our teams. And yeah, it was was a mistake for both of us to to sell him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's just, I think with someone like Trent Alexander-Arnold posting the stats he's posting, if he was a midfielder, he would be a must-own at that price. And none of us would have any doubts about it. But just because he's a defender and because I guess we all got a little bit frustrated with the Liverpool clean sheet thing, which is now definitely, that book has been closed as Liverpool now continue to pull clean sheets left, right and centre, four in a row, as you noted. It's just one of those things you just have to accept. Trent Alexander-Arnold should be in your team
0: yeah definitely I think yeah you talk about sort of the uh, only Liverpool players tripling up on them and essentially we got both got caught out a little bit I think in terms of who we captained and who we brought in the last few game weeks and we somehow I ended up playing two Aston Villa players you've been playing two Norwich players and, and captaining a Norwich player as well and it's just like you look at some of these decisions that we both made perhaps over the last couple of game weeks I think what the, what the hell were we thinking you know it's, I think you just have to kind of put faith in, in those top teams because they are the top teams for a reason, you know, your Liverpools, your Manchester Citys, so and it's impossible to actually afford them all, obviously. You know, perhaps the, the heavy backing of these cheap defenders didn't really pay off and, and we don't really have a right to be complaining about our Keddie two-pointers and our Rico one-pointers and, and Target one-pointers, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I guess maybe when we're looking at how we can adapt our game to improve, like there isn't huge adaptation that I can see myself bringing into my game like I don't think I'm doing things too differently okay Pookie captaincy is a you know a Pookie captaincy in fairness is almost more sensible than last year's Duffy triple captaincy disaster or the Negredo captaincy disaster of the season before that and double gaming <laughs> like, I have often been fond of left-wing ideas that uh, maybe I need to accept that but in another thing though is that I do feel like there are a lot of managers who have proven pedigrees. And you know there are many in our Slack chat and there are many that we would all know on Twitter who have had tough seasons and it has been slightly weird. And I think you can tell that story from my own personal perspective by just looking at how I've treated Chelsea's attackers. I didn't really believe in the whole entire hype of Lampard's Lambs as the season started and 4-0 demolition by Man United will prove that, you know They're gonna be useless that was obviously proved incorrect. And Mason Mount really came to the fore very early on, and I completely ignored him because I didn't believe in him. And then Tammy Abraham, who had been showing good stats but was actually failing to score, then started to return seriously, something I ignored too. But then, of course, I looked for the differential, and I picked up Cho just as he had started to get game time, ignoring Mount, who in, in fairness did stall. But Cho gets moved on for Pulisic, who I then moved to just after he scored his hat-trick and his, the goals that followed in the game after that. And you just... It's quite. It's been a quite a hard season. There have been lots of like moving parts where people have made very sensible transfers. You know, they come to a fork in the road and they pick the wrong side. And I think there's been far bigger differences in success and failure in very marginal decisions this season. And I think for those people, they will revert to the mean to some extent. You know, my 1.25 odd million rank can surely turn into a top 100k rank again as the season goes on. And for those people. Uh, don't give up and don't go mental and captain boogie.
0: I think yeah, that's perhaps um, a good point you raised. Yeah, to just just have faith. If, if you're having a bad season, don't worry about it. You know, as you said, people do tend to revert to the mean. Every every season's different in FPL, but yeah, it seems to sound, sound like you've been a little bit unlucky with your Chelsea assets, for example. So yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. So yeah, I think to um, to cover off this section, I think we're just going to discuss it quickly in terms of it being the end of the decade, as well as it being the end of the sort of the F- end of the year, so to speak. So it's, yes, 10 years of FPL now for many managers. This is actually my ninth season, apparently, um, even though I don't really remember the first few because I didn't play properly. I guess we'll talk quickly about our best memories of the last decade and, and what we think future will hold for FPL.
1: Yeah, so when I thought about my best memory, and maybe this feeds into the fa- the reasons why I still continue to captain players like Pookies and Duffies, et cetera, is that back on the 4th of March 2012, so we're talking early in the decade, I captained Pablo Regniak for Fulham when he scored a hat-trick against Wolves. And that day, I think, still remains my favourite FPL memory. Those sorts of, you know, huge moments where you've captained a player that very few people would have captained it does feel particularly brilliant. But then, of course, as well, there are all the like, you know, they're the trains that we caught early that really rolled. The, let's say the Ebra season when he came in and did particularly brilliant for a few weeks when Mo Salah started to really take light. I missed it, but I know how many people really enjoyed getting on that big hitter as it came to be. Luis Suarez was someone I trusted very heavily from the start of his English career and reaped the benefits from as well. Maybe the vardy Mares combo in that Leicester winning season. Those combos especially are some of the best memories you could have. Maybe Yaya Torre and Aguero as well. Good times.
0: Yeah, I mean, I do remember, obviously, another one was Aaron Ramsey, who had that just absolutely amazing season. It came to FPL at least a half a season where everyone was just getting all those points. It's just brilliant. And, yeah, you mentioned Leicester. I remember getting on Mahrez early and just seeing all those points. I he was five point five million Start of the season, just so exciting. No, I did miss out on Jamie Vardy's points. I didn't own him at all that season. So I think it does come with the sort of the you know, the highlights and, and the lowlights, doesn't it, when it comes to some of these players and you have these brilliant memories of, of FPL, you know, mentioned Yaya Touré, another one who just absolutely bossed it for a while, and of course, Luis Suarez in um, that Liverpool season. It's interesting. I think Mo Salah, another one, I had owned him from the start of the season, which is fantastic. For I think um, you know those distressing, those distressing red arrows just come with brilliant greens, and when, and when you get them, it's just, it's just the sweetest thing, isn't it, to see those green arrows. I think uh, this this week was a bit of you know another one of those bittersweet moments when I was just having an absolutely shocking um, game week. I was just so utterly depressed, and then all of a sudden, I literally put my phone down. I was like, "Toys out the prowl I'm, I'm done for the night." I'm just going to play board games with my wife and I'm, I'm not interested in looking at anything fancy football related. And then my phone buzzes twice. And I, I was only expecting one buzz, which was going to be the Manchester United. Um, it, was, it was for the game and I was only expecting, you know, the full-time buzz, essentially. But it buzzed twice. I thought, why is it buzzed twice? Because I turned the full other notification. Yeah, obviously it was Rashford's goal and he was my vice-captain, just getting those 14 points. really saved me, even though it was a red arrow. So, you know, you get these quite big lows sometimes with FPL. It can be quite depressing, but you can get these sort of, you know, massive massive highlights excitement and exhilaration that the game can bring as well
1: absolutely yeah there's nothing better than the sense of FPL vertigo
0: yeah for sure um, yes yeah, so I guess with FPL you know you get your ties and lows but you know the game has grown phenomenally in the last uh, 10 years you know such a small game and now you've got over 7 million accounts and a lot of these potentially are duplicates but just to have this many people play in the game just a testament to the growth that the game's experienced o- over the past 10 years and and there's also all the fantastic content and content creators that have emerged. Too many to name, to be honest, now, because there's so many brilliant YouTube accounts and other podcasts as well. So there's so many different ways to digest FPO every hour of the day and you know absorb all the underlying stats on the likes of Scout and Fancy Football Hub as well. I think it's just, the game is just going to continue to grow over the next 10 years, isn't it?
1: absolutely and that's definitely that's something that's been a highlight for me as well has been maybe seeing the fpl community when it was within very early days when there was only a handful of very small accounts there you know the likes of chief being there from the very beginning to name give one a name check but there were plenty of others there too at that point and we've seen that community grow into something huge where there's now with the official fpl account a real central hub to the whole community and then there's subsections to that there's, there's the big subreddit there's, it's a fantastic little community there's people now making a living from fpl it's that's kind of a beautiful thing that's what it's kind of become over the past decade and it is interesting to think where it could go over the next decade maybe you look at where nfl fantasy football has got to where now it comes across the bottom of the screen on the banner you see f actual NFL fantasy just talked about as part of the regular discourse of the game itself and I think you're already seeing that start to creep in with the Premier League fantasy football but we're not quite there yet and it's moving towards it for sure.
0: Yeah definitely it's going to be a transformative decade for sure when it comes to fantasy um, sports but yeah we've got it all to come and looking forward to it. We're going to take a little bit of a break here and we'll move on to our features section. Who got the assist? Who got the assist?
1: And we're back, so we'll move on to our regular features sections. Moving first to the market forces. This is our section where we use our FPL net transfer in data to describe the movers and shakers in the transfer market. This is particularly useful this week, maybe, given that we have another deadline coming very soon on the morning of New Year's Day, Wednesday, 11.30 a.m. GMT for those in
0: that time zone. The the most transferred in player... this moment in time is a Dharma Troyori, actually, a bit of a surprise pick, perhaps to see him right at the top of the, uh, the market forces. Um he only played for 32 minutes against Liverpool, though most people knew that he was rested. So I think it's it's really the case that people are looking at that Manchester City performance where he got that goal and system. I think This guy is really starting to show some of that potential because you know he, he felt very much like um, a little bit of an uh, you know an Aaron Lennon figure, just kind of sprinting down the wing, not much end product, just kind of just run you know FIFA style straight into the corner flag and, and nothing happening but no that he's, he's a changed man now he, he's looking key in that walls attack he's looking deadly he's looking uh, a real dangerous threat and when you look at his FPL price as well he's only 5.5 million you, you can see um, why a lot of managers are attracted to him he looks like a really you know decent way perhaps of disinvesting um, in you know like Jack Regis perhaps if you're selling him and downgrading to Adama to uh, enable uh, other players perhaps you know another Liverpool player back in your team so I think uh, looks like a really decent pick actually um, Wolves had a couple of tr- um, tricky fixtures so a lot of people avoiding them but after that Liverpool game they've now got a run of Watford, Newcastle and Southampton up next so 160,000 managers have brought him in at this moment in time
1: Yeah, it's particularly interesting to see Traore up there, and he's followed by, in the midfields, Anthony Martial, who has obviously returned to scoring ways over the past two game weeks. That's now three goals in his past two games uh, against Newcastle and Burnley, which is maybe giving people hope that he can start to return again for Ole and maybe double up with Rashford, who was already quite a popular pick before this week.
0: Yeah, three, three goals and two games for Martial. A lot of people, obviously, a lot of uh, Manchester United fans play FPL. So whenever a Manchester United player does well, we always see them do pretty well in the uh, the market forces as well. And so, yeah, a lot of people were attracted to Anthony Martial. And, uh, yeah, I think he's still pretty good value in terms of what he offers for his price. And his midfield, he's 37.8 million. So pretty decent pick. I mean, in terms of players being sold, it's uh, Tammy Abraham, who's top with over 70 2,000 transfers out it's a question of with or without you a lot of people say it's with without you Tammy so 72,000 managers have sold in but it looks like in terms of the forwards the most transferred in forward actually is DCL Dominic Calvert-Loon with 63,000 transfers in so he seems like a real beneficiary of the the new manager coming in uh, Carlo Ancelotti with three goals in the last two games perhaps um, a decent bargain in in the forward line at only 5.8 there yeah, actually, the,
1: the forwards as a whole are kind of an interesting look into the, maybe the idea that people are looking at that budget bracket in depth, because you also have Jimenez doing quite well, and Danny Ings even, people still moving to transfer in Ings after weeks upon weeks upon weeks of goals, it feels like at this point, with barely any interruption. De Calvert-Lewin, but with someone we will address later on in our questions, he's looking like one of the most interesting bits of DLC in the Ancelotti
0: era <laughs> bonus pack that we're getting in the Premier League. Yeah, certainly a beautiful day for anyone that, that owns DUTCL there. <laughs> the only other player, I guess, to mention in terms of the market forces, um, the most transferred in defender, third most transferred player, well, you've talked about him already, haven't we? It's obviously Trent Alexander Arnold with 80,000 transfers in. I think we've already run out of superlatives to describe this guy. It's understandable why so many people are transferring him in at this moment in time.
1: Yeah, and there there is very few other interesting stories to be honest. When it comes to the transfers amongst defenders and goalkeepers, um, at this point, really, it's just a lot of people moving, a lot of different players to get in. Trent Alexander-Arnold.
0: Yeah, it definitely looks so. I think in terms of the transfers out, it's Madison that's being sold. I own him. Grealish being sold. I own him, and uh, Dele Alli, and. Being sold, I own him as well. So three of my midfielders appearing in the uh, market force's top transfers out uh, right now. But yeah, it looks like the main men, as we said, were Traore, attracting involved attention, Martial, and apparently Kevin De Bruyne. I mean, who who doesn't own this guy at this moment? He's got 49.1% ownership now. Um, He's the seventh most transferred in player at this moment in time.
1: Yeah, and then moving across to our zombie league, where we check on the progress of our shambling zombies, ran by our unspecified family members. Remember, this is a league with no tips, no transfers, and no changes, which was started ahead of game week one. My own personal team reeks of the pre-season notions that we all had. Remember Big at the Back? Yeah. Three big defenders, Trelton Alexander-Arnold, Virgil van Dijk, and... Kyle Walker returning clean sheets, and that was pretty much it. The always captain Salah brigade is very much in force there as well. Seemed like a good bet this game week, but uh, did not return. And then the blanks and absences are really ravaging that team at this point. Callum Wilson, Danny Tobias, uh, McGinn, Zaha, Aaron Bosaka, and Ederson, who was suspended, were uh, not there. So the ranks are still updating as we record, but I'm going to be about 40 points shy of 1,000 points and in millions, mediocrity.
0: Yeah, I mean my zombies have actually been doing pretty well, to be honest. they got fifty-two points yeah, this this game week. Uh, we we figured out um, off air that um, they're actually beating uh, Stag at the moment, which is a bit embarrassing, I guess. <laughs> but, you know, they just they've had also captain Salah for, you know, we talked about it, under management, I guess, on the pod, and it's, it's the epitome of under management. You know, the likes of De Bruyne has been there from the start, just delivering the points, and and that double Liverpool defence really now paying dividends for for my zombies with van dyke and robo and you know the likes of matt ryan in goal doing much better than my actual goalkeeper in my real teams yeah they're doing pretty well sort of overall rank of 950k now for those shambling zombies but in terms of the mini league there's some guys actually that are doing really well before i do a quick update even though it's not properly updating but just to call out a few of the other teams that are doing well for instance hennessy and in green zero vermont He's overall rank 48k right now, which is just ridiculous. Some fantastic zombie picks there. The Salah Sterling, you know, dub up and likes a Trent and Dunk just doing the business for him. Some other guys that are doing well as well as Julie Nixfried with the Day of the Dead. Even with the, you know, the likes of Laporte in the team not having delivered any points, still got an overall rank of 75k. Again, it's Salah, Captain and De Bruyne and Jamie Vardy, Martial Van Dyke and Alexander-Arnold. You know, so these, these sort of, bus teams these teams just setting them up getting these key men in that we talked about earlier in the pod just loading up on your liverpool players your manchester city players and your jamie vardy's and and just setting your team like that and set set and forget can, can really pay dividends it seems yeah, pretty staggering results there. Talking about people that have been a success. A final feature is Dad Watch, and he, as we as we know, he's he's had a pretty good season despite being an FPL novice, so to speak, his first season of playing FPL. And however, it, it, you'll be you'll be relatively pleased, I guess. That there's, there's also a fellow sufferer. Anthony, he's had a, he's had a pretty shocking Christmas. You heard this when it's come to his FPL team. have actually, despite having two red arrows, I've actually managed to overtake him as well. Just because it's such a fall from grace, unfortunately. Yes, there's been rumours of rage quitting. But hopefully he he will stay um, to play the rest of the season. So yeah, game week nineteen for him. He only got twenty eight points. Just really poor game week. Just no one, no one got him any points at all. Unfortunately, you know Tamori got zero for him. Evans got zero for him. You know, and got one. And Captain Vardy for four points, just literally his highest score was a man a Mané six pointer in that game week. So just a really bad game week, unfortunately. Though Twenty looks like it he, he has been a recovery, he has had a bit of a recovery with that last minute Abraham goal really helping him because he benched Abraham that Vardy not playing means that Abraham comes off the bench and he also had Willian who picked up the assist for that goal meaning he got an assist and free bonus there and because Vardy didn't play he has Kevin De Bruyne as his vice-captain so that's another 14 points so it looks like actually um, he's, he's going to get about 68-69 uh, points from that game week so a little bit of a recovery it seems just, just out of thin air it seems so he is missing out on those uh, Lewis Dunk eight-pointers because that stays rooted on his bench
1: the the prodigy continues really doesn't he
0: (laughs) yeah maybe he will overtake me again it looks like that boxing day shambles seems to be uh, recovering a little bit right we're going to take another break here and then we'll move on to our community section and answer a few questions who got the assist who got the assist so we're back and it's time to catch um, up with the Who Got the Assist Mini League. If you want to join the league, the league code is EIKX03 and Anthony is going to be providing the update today in terms of what's going on.
1: Yeah, so the, the game is currently updating, so I've gone to live FPL and I've uh, got us the interim top five. We have Luke Burgess coming up with a 60-pointer to fifth. So he has 1,273 points, helped mostly by Harry Kane, captain, to 60 points with 16 returned there. In fourth, we have Brian Evans with 54 points. He's down from first actually and it's really it's a greelish captaincy that hasn't paid off for him um, other than in an otherwise good week in third Kieran Screeton holds position with 70 points it's Mane captain 22 points carrying him through with De Bruyne as 14 as well helping him along the way Up in joint first now, we have a tie at the top on 1,290 points. It's MD Abgilal Islam, um, who has done very well with 72 points. Mane, captaincy, Kevin De Bruyne, 14 points as well. And a few other smatterings of scorers doing very well for him. And also in that joint first is Declan Ryan, who had also got 72 points up from second he has Trent Mane, Martial, Kane captain and De Bruyne as well to carry him through and even though he's fielding just 10 players this week so All in all, very strong results from all of them.
0: Yeah, brilliant. And it looks like both those guys also within that sort of top 100 overall rank, which is just absolutely fantastic. So congratulations to all the guys who are are having a Stormer right at the top of that who got the assist mini league. So uh, yeah, we're going to move on to some questions now from the community. And thanks for all the questions as always. First question is from Mr. WP at right heart lane on Twitter, who's asked us if we were to wildcard now, who would be in our team? So I'm happy to go first, I guess. Uh, I think we've covered Liverpool already, but uh, you know, triple Liverpool I think would be essential. You know, you've probably got to have some form of combination of Trent and Manet alongside Salah or Robertson. I was thinking, even maybe, Virgil van Dijk as well, perhaps as a sort of double defence, if I was going that way, rather than a Mane Salah combo, just because Virgil, I feel like he's going to be nailed on and play every game week for the rest of the season. When, you know, and Klopp might bring in the changes a little bit later down the line if the title is sewn up and he's got to focus on Champions League. That's the only reason I mentioned him briefly. But I think Liverpool, for me, essential ownership. And I think, obviously, another player who I've already got is De Bruyne. He's got to stay in the team. That's with Jamie Fardy. These guys are just absolutely banging it week in week out De Bruyne had just an absolute, another masterclass this game week he's just so important to the team so he would definitely stay and I think you know the rest of the team, you know, you can fill up the numbers to a certain extent, but I would still say, you know, Leicester, I would still probably talk about perhaps tripling up on that team. You know, they got a great fixture run coming up. Newcastle, Southampton, Burnley, West Ham, they're second in the league. They suffered, obviously, against Liverpool, but even when Bron- yeah, Brendan Rogers ringed the changes, he absolutely dominated West Ham in the, in the last game week. So I think they look like another key team that you, you will want to cover. In goal, I'd probably say Fabianski now, um, with the West Ham double game week coming up. And then probably fill like as I said, you know, like it's a true or He's definitely a player that um, is worth considering. Perhaps um, an Everton asset, even like you know Dominic Calvert-Lewin at this particular moment in time. And Everton have some nice fixtures as well. I've got a question on them as well. But I think you know that that would be the setup I'd go for at this particular moment in time.
1: Interesting. Another player who I thought was worth thinking about, especially at goalkeeper, was Ben Foster, who's joint top for points scored by goalkeepers is by the fact that Watford have had such a terrible season. And that's mostly thanks to points that he gleaned whilst Watford were truly terrible under their many other managers they've had this season. And that was before they'd improved dramatically. So I think he's also somebody, although Fabianski, considering the double game week, should definitely be on the radar as well as the fact that West Ham actually have good fixtures coming up as well. It's a cheap option anyway at goalkeeper, no matter what as you mentioned Trent can't be missed I think Lundström I think we'll just have to keep at this point as well and then you've kind of got there's three slots there which I think you should be filling with cheaper players or maybe as we were talking about there the Liverpool double up in defence uh, Soyuncu as well actually is somebody who should probably keep Leicester's defence is statistically brilliant their fixtures are good they continue to be good there's no point selling Uh, midfield KDB is very important as is Sadio Mane after that then you're kind of fitting in pieces of a jigsaw puzzle together and it's whether you think that City will continue to put some sort of emphasis on the league or whether they're going to start kind of holding the likes of Sterling back a little bit more with a view to really peaking in the Champions League because that really seems to be how Pep's season is going to be judged from now I don't think that Spurs attackers are essential so well, so I do have Deliadi in my team right now. I'm not quite sure what fully going on with that side. And then there you know, there are plenty of differentials you could be bringing into that team. Adama Traore is still a bit of a differential, but coming into some pretty spectacular form with three good fixtures to come. The likes of Tony Martial, who was popular in the market forces, is definitely worth considering. Up front, it's Jamie Vardy, plus plus, whoever you want to put in, really. I think the cheaper forwards are definitely making arguments, and DCL is a pretty good way to get at this new look. Everton, Richardson is probably not that person that you'd want, as we're going to hear about in the questions later. So, I don't know, there's a, there's a lot of scope to be had, and I'm definitely considering a wild card as it stands, given how my season has gone and the need to really just make a change and chase points in spite of the dangers that that would bring, that I might fall even further behind
0: Nick's zombie team. We shall see. <laughs> so yeah um, that's our choices uh, I guess the next question is from Zoomers Bloomers and it's this one that I feel like always seems to come up but it's worth covering and especially considering um, the, the Christmas season he's asked why is everything so hard and yeah you know, it, it is a bit of a horrible feeling when you've got these sort of best-laid plans, and you, you kind of think, right, this is it. This is going to be Christmas. is going to be a period of goodwill and green arrows, and then those green arrows just don't come. And you, you, know, um, you just you just end up just, just disappointed and just distressed in terms of what's happened with your team. And uh, I, I think you know, at the end of the day, you it, can have positives and negatives. We covered it quite in depth earlier on in the pod with New Year's resolutions about having those moments where just everything looks really bad and then you suddenly have this moment like Rashford scoring a goal and you know, last minute and, you know, things can really rapidly change in FPL. So I think, you know, the best, the best thing is, you know, it is is a competitive game. It's got more and more competitive every season, with more and more managers, more and more content creators. I think, you know, achieving a high overall rank, I think is getting harder in the game compared to a few years ago, because there are more and more informed managers out there. And that is making the game harder, to be honest, to, to really achieve. And but. You know, I think it's it's part of the fun, you know, it, it's a challenge, but we, we all enjoy it at the end of the day. And, uh, you know, you just kind of got to keep, without, without seem too churlish, you just got to keep at it. And, you know, those moments will come if you, if you continue to invest your time and energy into studying it and, and trying to beat your opponents, then you, it will eventually will pay off for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I have very little to add to that idea. But what I could talk about is Ronan Meegan's question, which is whether or not Trent Alexander-Arnold is captain material. Now, that's something that Nick actually has some first-hand experience with. But it's something that I think everyone should be considering as the season goes forward. As Nick noted earlier, it's the fact that this is a player who has the clean sheet potential of probably the strongest defence in the league, even if the clean sheets hadn't been coming up until very recently one of the most creative players in the league, bar none, and then someone who also has a goal threat and who I think will be given more set-piece responsibility with you know, actual direct free-kicks as time goes on, as he continues to prove himself. So, a very, very good option.
0: Yeah, I definitely think he, he is he is a good option. I just guess when it comes to actually captaining, training, I still haven't found what I'm looking for, if, if you know what I mean. When, when I did captain him, he only got two points for me and that was against Crystal Palace. And even though, you know, these stats are brilliant, his performance is brilliant, the 10 assists he's got now, is phenomenal, the clean sheets he's, he's uh, knocking up as well. I still feel like, you know, it's, there was a period where I went five different captains in, in five game weeks and it didn't, really didn't work for me. It's just every week i packed in the wrong guy and I feel like you've just got to stick with the, the really big hitters. And Trent is a, a big hitter in terms of the points he's delivering, but he's not quite up there with your likes of your salads um salads with the likes of mayonnaise and the likes of Vardy. and I think for the rest of the season for me I think I might just I don't think I'm going to take that risk again. I think I'm just going to stick with either Mane or Vardy and just just you know, just set up and just leave, leave it on these guys because these are probably the guys that are going to end up being the highest scorers in the game at the end of the season. And even though Trent is a fantastic asset, and he's fantastic value, I'm, I'm not completely sold on his captaincy potential, even though obviously that 24-pointer was, was phenomenal.
1: Yeah, oh, oh, contrary to that, I just think that these clean sheets are going to start coming an awful lot mm-hmm. more than they had been previously. I think it's just maybe this is a slightly empirical thing but i think that as fatigue sets in you kind of tend to see especially the league winning team start to just tighten up a little bit more and maybe focus on defense that a little bit more than they had been already and i think that's definitely going to be happening with liverpool as they presumably chase a treble uh something it's definitely something we saw last season with uh uh, manchester city as their title challenge kind of developed and uh, Emmerich report came in and really Fasten things off It's something that 100% went on In Leicester's Title winning season As well They kind of went from Ed scoring opponents To very much Just holding them steady And getting a Poxy Vardy goal Or whatever it might have been To get them over the line I think we may see That develop And maybe that will bring TAA to the fore Even further Considering it's Set pieces are his you
0: know, Second outlet I think, that's, I think that's a fair assessment. I might change my mind um, on that and start captioning him again, or maybe I should stick to my principles. I don't know, <laughs> but, uh, you know. Um, yeah, t- I mean, he was he was brilliant again today. Yeah, is, every time he seemed to be on the ball, whipping it in. He got eleven crosses at Wolves, and I think you probably are right that those clean sheets we are starting to to see them come. Though there is obviously that risk as well that Klopp might start to to rest some of these players as well. But yeah, I think he's. I think he has to be considered is perhaps um, the verdict that we are giving here. But yeah, the next question is from Harry Duke, who's asked us um, about the Everton assets. And do we need to start looking at them? And I know he talked a bit about Calvert-Lewin, but he's also asked us about the fullbacks and Richarlison as well.
1: Yeah, so I've been kind of considering more the forwards there just kind of made a little bit more sense and it was interesting to note that aside from scoring two goals Dominic Albert lewin did top the bonus points system this week for Game Week 20 across the whole entire league he was up there for shots in the box on that pitch and he'd be working very well with Moise Ken who was beside him there who was actually the highest XG underachiever this week so maybe highlights that he was actually unlucky and maybe someone we should be looking at too who maybe might fall through the cracks given that he didn't actually score the goals this week. It was a system then, though, that didn't give Richardison all that much scope to flourish. He only had one shot in the box. He cre- it was really his creativity that was somewhat useful led to his assist. But he had three chances created, one big chance created. Obviously, that was the assist. But actually, target man Dominic Calvert-Lewin actually had five chances created, which I think hints at the fact that his all-round game is much more important in this current Everton team, which comes with all sorts of caveats, considering we really don't know what Ancelotti is trying to do with that side all that much just yet. But I could see this two-man forward line continuing as the
0: weeks go on. Yeah, I think we have to consider Calvert-Lewin, perhaps at his price point. he's, He's... Quite good value That be playing with um, more confidence now under under, Ancelotti as well. And he said he's had trouble with his finishing in in previous seasons. But this season, he's he's now netted eight goals, which is two more than his best ever campaign. So a little bit like Marcus Rashford, perhaps. He seems to really starting to to flourish a little bit, especially in the last couple of game weeks. Now he's sort of playing under a slightly more competent manager, so to speak. You know, I think he he definitely needs to be worthy of our consideration. I mean, with you mentioned, he's always a player that's always done pretty well in in the underlying stats Looks pretty impressive but I think when I compare him to other players his price range I'm still I still prefer the likes of James Madison to be honest who's he, starting very similar um, to Richarlison but I, I still feel like Madison offers a little bit more when it comes to creativity and threat from set pieces and and things like that so I think and Leicester seem like they're obviously well, they are performing a lot better than Everton overall over the course of the season. So that's perhaps why I'm, I've never been fully sold on Michal though he's always been in the back of my mind. So Everton's in terms of Everton, I mean, their fixtures, they've got City um, next, which is a pretty tough game, obviously. But after that, it's quite a nice round of Brighton, West Ham, Newcastle, Watford Palace. So, you know, it is worth considering this team. The fullbacks, you know, know—we've most of us have been there with Luca team. We've suffered... We've got the scars to show it, especially from this season. Despite you know the first couple of game weeks, but you know he still needs to be thought about. It's just maybe he's a little bit too expensive to really consider. Considering Everton haven't been too solid at the back over the course of the season, but in terms of his stats, he's only only behind Trent in terms of chances created with 45, which is, is pretty impressive. And especially if um, like Moyes, Ken or DCL could start actually converting those chances, then he could be in, in our consideration. I thought. The, the other fullback, Sidibe, played out of position against in, in Everton's game the other game week, and I think that was, you know, caught um, caught our radar a little bit in terms of an FPO asset, only five point three million. Though I do worry that he's perhaps not nailed down with Seamus Coleman um, being a threat, and he didn't play out of position in the last game either. So Ancelotti's still kind of finding his feet in terms of his starting eleven, which makes me a bit nervous about bringing in a player that I'm not. 100% will certainly start. The other player I thought worth mentioning briefly was, was Mason Holgate, actually. £4.4 4 He's is now the same price as Martin Kelly. So the, like, if any manager has Kelly, you know, think, why the hell do I actually have this guy on my team? You know, a, a straight swap to Holgate might actually work out quite well for some people. He's nailed on, he appears nailed on in that defence anyway, having played 11 games in a row. And yeah, as I mentioned, Everton have some nice fixtures. And they just got a couple of clean sheets as well, didn't they? So, you know, perhaps they are starting to solidify that defence.
1: Yeah, Sidibe is definitely the one that I'll be watching there. I do, as we noted earlier, have Luca Dean in my team right now for my sins. But we'll see how that turns out. But I think uh, Sidibe, with that out of position thing that we've noted, which seems like a pretty good compromise to get him and Seamus Coleman into the team, it's something that we should definitely be monitoring maybe and see how it goes against Man City, a team that we're obviously not going to bring them in for and then go
0: from there. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think we'll see how they get on with City but and then, and then really start to consider those Everton assets perhaps. Um, but the next question is from Lee Thompson and he's asked us on the best way to tackle game week 24, which, of course, is the double game week where Liverpool... Have Wolves and West Ham, but West Ham also have a double, even though it's a very, very tough one, which is Leicester and Liverpool. And I guess, Mustang, so do you have a plan for the, for the uh, double game week uh, for Liverpool? How many assets uh, do you have uh, for Liverpool at the moment? So, yeah, I'm uh,
1: hilariously just to Sadio Mane from both of these teams that stands, And so I'm definitely going to have to up my investment on the Liverpool side of it anyway for the Wolves and West Ham's games, mostly targeting the now what will be then very much settled as David Moyes' West Ham by the time uh, Wednesday, January 29th, rolls around if he hasn't been sacked. So it will be interesting to see how that plays out. Like, look, triple up in Liverpool players and then watch with interest with how... Moyes actually does with this West Ham team I for one will be watching uh, and Michel Antonio um, as the weeks pass, I think he's a player who could play an important role in this team and who had been doing quite well in recent weeks without you know turning the world completely upside down, uh, outside of that I'm not too interested in these West Ham players
0: yeah I think so as well I think when it comes to West Ham I, I really have very little interest in them at all and you know there's there's not really that much excitement in, in a double game that we're playing Leicester and Liverpool you know I, I wouldn't be overly surprised if they actually came out of um, those two games with, with zero attacking returns at all so you know, they don't look good at all this it season could, it could be a week
1: where their defenders end up with minus points as well to be honest like I could genuinely see you know Aaron Craswell minus four, or something written after the end of that week.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think that's, that's, the, that's the problem, isn't it? You, you think, you know, is it actually worth wasting transfers on West Ham? I mean, you know, the next two aren't too bad. Bournemouth and Sheffield United, we'll see how we get on with them. But yeah, I, I, I'm not sold at all on West Ham. But you know, you never, you never know. They, they might suddenly turn up trees. It might be, a, it might be an Ogbonna 21-pointer or something ridiculous that just emerges from the shadows. But I think the only West Ham player I am going to consider is... Fabianski in goal, I've got to get rid of my goalkeeper who's absolutely useless, it's Paolo Gazaniga. He's, he's just been shocking since I brought him in he only got four points actually over the course of the last three game weeks for me, it's just, what, what is this guy doing in my team and Lloris is closely back in February anyway so it's a transfer waiting to happen so I think I might give him one more game week and then he's going to go for Fabianski and then I'll just have Fab for that double game week he's bound to pick up some save points at least I think with Liverpool Obviously, oh, I've got Mane and Trent now, but I will be tripled up for that game week. I just have to figure out how best and when best to bring them in because they do have Spurs and Manchester United before those games as well. So I'm not sure if I'm going to rush to triple up. And I've also I kind of want Salah as well. But I'm really struggling to fit him in because of the cost. So it's just a case for me as well if I end up going for a double defence, which I'm heavily considering perhaps, a, you know as I mentioned, a Van Dijk type character maybe. Um, just because he should be nailed on for starts. I know a few people have also been talking about Joe Gomez, who's who's been quietly racking up the points. But my concern with Gomez is, you know, that he might be ousted out of the team once um, John Matip is back from injury. And that's, he's he's an unknown at the moment when he's back. But, you know, you never know with his injuries, it could suddenly be back and Gomez's place might be under threat. But um, I think for me, it might be Van Dijk or it might be Salah, but Salah looks really hard to fit in. I just don't have the budget at the moment. I guess that's that's my kind of rough plan. It, a Liverpool player will come in for sure. I will be tripled up, but it's just about how to fit him in and which one.
1: Yeah, it's a bit like trying to dismantle an atomic bomb, really looking at that uh, Liverpool, fitting in those Liverpool players and dismantling my own team with a view to doing it. I think you're looking at a kind of sacrificing something like Kevin De Bruyne to make it Ooh, happen in no. Yeah, exactly, exactly, that. exactly. Um so it may well be a double defense or maybe maybe Bobby Firmino is worth a punt. We shall see. He's always had the underlying stats and has started to back it up a little bit with goals, maybe not all of them being in Premier League, but the goals are flowing a little bit more for Firmino. Yeah, but yeah. Earlier I, in the I, season. Worth talking I, about
0: I think so. I think Bobby is kind of like the forgotten man in that Liverpool attack, isn't he? We never talk about him really. We're always just so focused on Salah and Mane, but just because you know they they seem to have the highest ceiling, especially being midfielders. But I think you know Bobby is worth considering, especially for for a you know, double game week like the one that is coming up. So yeah, so that's it. That's it for questions. So we're going to move on to transfers and captains finally, just to discuss who we're captaining for the next game week that's coming up and any moves we're making if at all. Would you like to go first?
1: Yeah, so I've actually decided to set a bus team this week with a view to making sure that my captaincy armband was not on Team Upuki for another week. So right now my armband is hovering on Jamie Vardy as he goes away to Newcastle. Who have been continuing to do well, but are maybe starting to see that feel the rub of the green going against them a little bit more than they had been, as they found a new defender every week, kind of scoring a goal that would get them over the line. Although Sadio Mane is certainly tempting at home to Sheffield United, and maybe even Marcus Rashford against Mikel Arteta's Arsenal, who are still Arsenal as proven this week. So we shall see what happens with that, uh, as opposed to tra- with transfers. I've got two free transfers there. They're burning a hole in my pocket. Uh, right now, I think I- Christian Pulisic needs to go. He's just a value drain on my team. I I don't want to just rapidly knock Puki out of the team, considering he actually did play quite well in Game Week 20, and they're at home to Crystal Palace, who played quite poorly uh, in Game Week 20. So <laughs> I'll see what I'll do. But uh, definitely Pulisic out. That's the one thing I can be sure of, As this week comes through
0: yeah i think it's it's probably time for him to go he's long due to exit Many an FPL manager's team. For me, I think I'm probably going down the same route for you in terms of the captain. And Jamie Vardy, I think, is going to be the man. Hopefully, he's not too sleep deprived after the birth of his uh, newborn, (laughs) which meant he missed a game. But hopefully, it means he's fit and firing and 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 ready for action against Newcastle. So I think he's going to be getting the armband for me. In terms of the transfers, I am possibly considering rolling it actually this this week. But then I might do a goalkeeper swap the following week. It's very boring, but probably time to finally get rid of Gazaniga. I don't really want him for that Liverpool game. And, uh, and bringing Fab, Fabianski, as for that double game week. So that's, that's one move that I do kind of have in the pipeline. But for now, it looks like I'm probably just going to sit with that same team and have to play guys like Rico again, defence, uh, which is a bit rubbish. But yeah, uh, that, that's how I'm set up anyway for the next game week.
1: So we do have a theme on the podcast every single week. Last week, the theme was reindeers for those of you who are paying close attention. And there has been one this week as well. So be sure to tweet at the Who Got the Assist Twitter page or Nick or me at FPL if you have spotted that. And we'll uh, give you a shout out next week if you're first to it
0: yep and if you want to follow us on twitter as we said we're at wgtscofpl at wgtscofp or at fplstag so yeah there's also a league code um, which you mentioned earlier as well if you want to join eikx03 um, for our main league and we'll be back as usual next week i think tom will be with us for one final game week before he goes away but in the meantime it's a goodbye from me
1: and it's goodbye from me as well. Thank you very much, guys, and chat to you next week.
0: Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.